Hello, everybody. Josh Neighbors here at Locked On Nationals Podcast. Today it is February 16th, 2022. And on the show today, some big pieces of news to talk about. Juan Soto, it has come out, turned down the first contract extension offer the Nationals gave to him this offseason. This is coming today from a report that we'll talk about. And also kind of a conversation after the retirement of Ryan Zerman, where do the Nationals go? How do they replace him? We touched on some of that yesterday. We'll get more in depth in on all of these things coming up on the show. You are Locked On Nationals, your daily Washington Nationals podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Once again, everybody, Josh Neighbors here at Locked On Nationals Podcast. Make sure you guys download the episodes here, leave us reviews, and also make sure you guys follow us now on uh, YouTube. Subscribe there. You guys can make sure you give a thumbs up the videos and also leave your comments as well. Really trying to grow that now, uh, especially once we can get through this lockout. Knock on wood, that comes here pretty soon. But once we get through it, really going to try to grow this channel with some stuff as we preview the season. Uh, but, you know, that kind of happens as news happens right now. And so let's talk about the big news of the day. It was reported by Enrique Rojas and then kind of aggregated in a way by Jeff Passan that Juan Soto turned down a 13-year, $350 million contract offer before the lockout from the Washington Nationals. Uh, Enrique works for uh, he works for ESPN, but on the Deportes side of things. So Jeff Passan kind of helped curate this information into English. Uh, and so I think, you know, we'll see more and more of it aggregated now. I don't think I saw the full article out just yet in English, but still you can translate it and get the general gist and most of the details are out there. So once again, the big touch points here, 13 years, 350 was the initial offer. Juan Soto turn that down. It'd be an AAV or an uh, annual value basically of nearly $27 million. It's around 26.9 is what I believe uh, I, I saw it ended up being. It would be the third largest contract by figure. But the big thing here in terms of annual value, average annual value would actually be somewhere in the mid twenties. I believe I saw from our friend Matt Wyrick over at NBC Sports Washington. So not a contract that would be, in terms of the annual value, up there with uh, some of the tops in the league. And that's something definitely we're going to look at and touch on. Comments from Juan Soto in the piece. He says, I still have a, uh, I still have Washington as a place I'd like to spend the rest of my career. But he also said, we'll see. He also said his people are taking care of it, but quote, my agent Scott Boris is in control of this situation, uh, end quote. So that is a big telling feature there as well, something that we'll hit on. But there are the details. 13 years, 350 was the offer. It happened before the lockout. Juan Soto turned that down. So let's address a couple things here as we get to this. Um, the tact of, all right, what was, what do we think was the offer, right? What we think was the impetus or the thought behind the offer and the dollar figures. So if you think about what are the largest contracts currently 
in Major League Baseball, Mookie Betts signed for 12 for 365 with the Los Angeles Dodgers. Mike Trout signed 10 years, $360 million with the Los Angeles Angels. Francisco Lindor was 10 years for $341 million. Tatis was 14 for 340. Stanton, 13 for 325. Those are really the uh, the 10 year ones I'd like to deal with that we're talking about here. You know, younger guys, huge contracts. Let's talk about those. So um, this is a matter of, you know, just thought process of where you see and what his value is. But to me, I think that the learners and the front office here, what they're thinking is all right, we probably think this first offer is going to get rejected. We need to make an offer, though, that is not disrespectful, that is somewhere in the ballpark that makes sense. Uh, 13 for 350 is definitely in the ballpark uh, of making sense. What it's, is one I would accept on his behalf? No, it's not one I would accept. But you're in the range now of other guys. You'd be the third richest, be the third richest contract handed out in terms of dollar value in Major League Baseball history. So it's not, that that no offer that large can be seen as disingenuous or upsetting or nowhere near enough. Now, not impressive, which I believe the quote was, and that might have been an interpretation thing. So I don't want to say it was uh, they were not impressed, but the the way I read it, the way I, the way I read the translated quote was it was not something that completely piqued their interest. That being Scott Boris, Juan Soto, the representation on the player side of things. So. Their first offer at 13 for 350, not uh not there yet, not not where we want to be, but also not disrespectful. Nothing that makes you pack your bags up and go home. If you guys ever played the FIFA video game, sometimes in negotiation with the agent, it, uh, it, you know they'll be like, no, uh, we're out of here. If you're trying to buy a player or purchase a player, and there's an animation where the the guy looks the the uh, agent looks all upset as he's talking to you, that's not what we're seeing right here. So what was the thought process behind this? Once again, not a disrespectful contract. It's in the neighborhood. It locks them up for not just 10, but 13 years, right? So we're not just doing a decade. We're going to do a decade plus at that point. So I see where they're going. The the problem here is, is that when you factor him in and you compare him to the likes of Fernando Tatis and you uh, compare him to the likes of Mookie Betts, um, you know, he is a much proven player, much faster than most of these guys were. And look, Fernando Tatis is an awesome player, but when you're acquiring talents like these, and I, I hope that's the goal, you want to win a World Series, right? Juan at a ridiculously young age was an awesome player on a world championship team. That is a credential that he has. And ever since that young age, he has been getting better and better and better. It was not, apparently, uh, you know, <laughs> that was not the peak. Do we think it would be? No, but do we think steady improvement at this age like this would, would be there? I think it's pretty crazy how good it's been. We've seen that second half that he put together. One of the most ridiculous second halves uh, that we've seen in modern baseball. That's the kind of player that he is, and he's getting better on defense as well. Does he play the premium position that a Fernando Tatis Jr. does? No, but the idea that you can build a lineup around one is is just so apparent. And 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 the I think because of the way he hits too, this is not some feast or famine high strikeout situation anymore. This is a guy who's getting better at the plate. His discipline's getting better. He rarely gets cheated. It sticks out. The, the at bats where he gets cheated really stick out. We've talked about this a lot. 
And so I know this is not directly related to the contract, but like what he gives you on a day in day out basis to me, this is what makes his value so high. Um, you know, sure. Base video game covers will come and, and accolades like Shohei Otani thing, you know, things like that, 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 um, kind of sell jerseys. Those things will come eventually. I think, we talked about this too with the Bryce Harper deal. The reason why part of why he got paid so much, in my opinion, was that you know what you're getting with Bryce Harper in terms of the marketing machine. You know that thousands of people in the stands are going to be wearing those Harper jerseys. And so that's what you're paying for for him. That stuff, you know, he is not the star yet that is Shohei Otani. Shohei Otani had a ridiculous season for Tatis on the cover. But in terms of a player, he's right there. The, uh, I mean, the out, the exterior stuff, the stuff that really does actually help pay the franchise, the jerseys, the, you know, the, the, uh, the butts and seats, but not just for people in DC, the Jersey sales, you know, in, in North Dakota, if there's baseball fans there and people in New York buying the Juan Soto jersey who are, who are neutrals in Los Angeles. You know, I know tons of people here in Virginia who have bought Shohei Otani jerseys. I actually know a lot of them who have that level of starting that level of fame. Is coming for him if he pl- continues to play this way, uh, and and he's much he's a he's a character. You know, I, I think he's more of a character than Mike Trout is. So you know, we talk about him being an absolute superstar, but not being a willing kind of participant in his own stardom. Somebody you know who, uh, which is fine. I wouldn't say Shohei is either. I just I think you know his his demeanor kind of plays into the, to the character that he is, uh, and I think it helps him be marketable in a certain way. But like Juan, I think Juan with the way he smiles and the, you know the the the, uh, the crotch grabbing right at the plate, those things are all going to be seen at a much wider scale if the Nationals continue to have success on pretty big stages. And he's already had success on the biggest stage. He's just a winning player with a good attitude that does not you're not worried about too much drop off there. And so I think that's why the conversation around him being baseball's first five hundred million dollar man is there. Do I think that happens? No, I will say the things that are working in his favor favor uh, are things like the Max Scherzer contract that we just saw signed. Right? If a team is willing to pay, and that's this is uh, the Mets. I'm saying, if a team is willing to pay, pay Max Scherzer um, this much money, I think the what's the dollar figure is in the forty millions uh, per year. It's a three year, one hundred thirty million dollar deal, right? So that's going to be over forty million dollars a year for a guy who pitches every fifth day. Now, was that was that not commiserable with the value? I mean, he goes out there every five days. So the the Nats were or the Mets, excuse me, were were paying for something else there too, right? They're they're paying extra just to get that guy to New York, but. That contract still helps Juan Soto. The idea that a pitcher could make that much money, uh, an everyday player who's this age, who's this dependable, might go and say, "Look, I, I kind of want something, uh, you know, more close to that zone." Now, a team could come back and say, "Look, forty million a year for thirteen years, or you know, whatever it is, uh, or for twelve years. Say, you know, just think about twelve years at forty million a year. Twelve for four eighty right? That's difficult to do. We can swing 30, we can maybe swing 35, but 40 million a year in terms of annual value is, is you know, something that, that's going to be difficult to swing just because if you get hurt for a year, something bad happens for a year or two, you're, you're kind of, you know, it's going to be a sunk cost. And uh, at 40, I mean, 40 is such a crazy figure. You know, you feel like you're assuming some risk there, but one, Almost with the way he plays, it feels like it feels risk averse, right? It feels like we're just going to keep seeing this for year after year after year after year. So 
I, I think, you know, I'm kind of fleshing out these ideas here with you guys about, you know, the, the backs and the force, but I think it's a good starting point. Um, I think this ends definitely 110%, in my opinion, with him becoming the richest baseball player ever. Uh, I think that's the only logical way for this to end. Now, the big thing is at this point in time, you're, you know, 12 or 365. Um, you're a little bit away from that. Mike Trout's the $36 million a year. You know, you might say, oh, Josh, what's what's 40? You know, it really isn't that big of a jump. Depending on what the money situation is, it could be. And also what the Nationals are paying off right now, that could be too. But uh, I, this, you know, settle in, folks, because this is going to be a long, long negotiation. It's not going to be a quick one. I think the Nationals need to make sure he doesn't hit the free agency market. I think that's really important. And so maybe getting a deal done before uh, the end of next season is super important because, you know, once you're one year away from free agency, oh, that's, that's, that's starting to get a little bit touch and go. Things like results could really impact you at that point in time. Um, don't make the Godfather offer just yet, right? This is a negotiation. See what he's comfortable with. See what you know he's willing. You know how he sees his place in DC and and what he wants. And Scott Boris, you know he is driving the ship, so that's important to note too. Um, something else I want to hit on really are the people. And so to kind of finish this off, this real quickly. Sorry, I'm all over the place. You know, but just it's such a fascinating conversation. Um, I don't think it was a bad offer from the learners at all. I think we all expected this result, which is totally fine, which gets to my other point here I want to make. For those of you out there who are being like, uh-oh, Juan Soto and the Nationals, is that relationship on the rocks? Could he be headed elsewhere? No, this is this is what we expected to happen right now. This was expected. So um, I, you know, anybody, I've seen people say, oh, you know, the other places, I've had somebody text me with the article saying he's gone. That's it. He's, he's gone. They didn't lock him up. You know, starting to speculate about what other places. I know I talked to uh, to Ryan Finkelstein of Locked On Mets, and he had some ideas about, hey, how would Juan Soto look uh, playing for the Mets? This, this is part of the negotiation. Now, they turned down the first one. Sure, optically, it might not look great. It might give people ideas, but there's still plenty of time for them to get this thing done. I also think, um, you know, what's going to happen in free agency once things get started back up? Are the learners thinking right now they might have to make some more moves to potentially woo Juan Soto and show him that they are trying to make an effort? Or can they sell him right now on the current rebuild if they keep making offers that are kind of getting closer to the neighborhood that we want to see? So this is just the beginning stage of the negotiation. We'll see what happens when both sides come back to the table if they get something done. Uh, in terms of, I mean, the Players Association and Major League Baseball, we'll see how that that impacts. We'll see the financial ramifications of said agreement and what impacts those might have on these deals down the line. But uh, the AAV, in my opinion, is just kind of getting back to the point here, not quite what it needs to be. So maybe you bump the years down, 10 to 12. Maybe you bump that AAV up and maybe you make him the $400 million man, which we have not seen yet. Uh, in baseball. I think 400, it's going to be north of 400. That that feels like where we're headed at this point in time. So 350 for 13 is a good starting place, but pretty far off, I think, for where eventually we're going to be, uh, we're going to be ending up. So I, I think at least 40 million a year is, was where this thing is heading. The nationals are going to have to chip in more than they were, but they offered the long-term security one. They're just going to have to come back with something a bit stronger here. Uh, as we move forward and we'll see when these negotiations are able to pick up. All right, quick break here. Then we'll come back and we'll touch on ideas about Ryan Zerman's replacements, what they're going to do, 
things like that coming up. But first, a quick word from our sponsors. Today's show is brought to you by Built Bar. You guys can go to Built.com today. That's Built.com. Uh, Built Bars have 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 grams of net carbs, 17 grams of protein. You can compare that to Candy Bar. That's got around 240 calories, 30 grams of sugar, and dozens of net carbs. They've got flavors such as mint brownie, coconut, coconut almond. And for the next month, they've got white chocolate cookies and cream. They're all delicious. and They're always adding new flavors. So go to built.com today. That's built.com promo code locked 15 L O C K E D one five lock 15. And you'll get 15% off at built.com today. All right. So uh, the Ryan Zimmerman love has continued and it's much deserved. It's been cool to see. Uh, I saw him, you know, send the tweet. I'm not sure if you guys saw his video, but he said he wouldn't tweet until he retired. He sends the, the retirement tweet, which was pretty cool to see. But the conversation started yesterday with Max Raymond and I. Uh, he works over a district on deck about what the Nationals are going to do to replace Ryan Zerman. Because I think with the DH coming in, the idea is that Ryan Zerman was going to be uh, potentially an everyday DH, right? or also the second first baseman, just he was going to get a lot of reps, right? And he, and he played pretty well in that bench role last year. It's hard to come off the bench and hit. And he did a pretty good job considering the situation that he was put into. Uh, you know, coming off the bench, once again, hitting is not easy. And so he had a pretty high success rate, I thought, you know, given that situation. But that opens things up now. And I think we we have the conversation. Let's think, let's think about that. Uh, the first baseman part of it second. Riley Adams appears to be the guy with his size, his strength. You know, he just kind of fits that profile. We know that K. Barrett Ruiz is going to be that number one catcher to start off the season. So I would assume at this point it's safe to say that uh, Riley Adams is in position to be number two or number three. He's not taking that number one spot. We all feel pretty confident in saying that, I believe. Um, but if you look at the way that Riley Adams produced toward the back end of last season, you couple that with the fact that the Nationals are trying to figure out which of these guys right now they can carry into the future. The fact that Riley Adams is a young fella as well gives you some pretty exciting ideas and makes you think this guy deserves the reps. He's going to be turning 26, I believe, if he is not already, next season. Uh, and he hit 268 with a 422 on base, a 465 uh, slugging and an 887 OPS with an OPS plus of 145. He had 10 RBI, two home runs, uh, and, and had a you know a nice amount of extra base hits as well. So for him, this is a guy, and this strike out a decent amount too, but for them, this is a guy who can do some damage in a variety of situations. I think especially too, you might want to bring him in tandem with a Yadiel Hernandez, because uh, we know that Riley Adams is a right-handed hitter. And so having him hit the lefties and having Yadiel hit the righties might be a pretty good idea. Now, for him back in 2021, just as a whole, he did hit righties to, to a 241 tune and hit the lefties at 200. But you conventional wisdom says that, that he will not be a reverse splits guy uh, we think, you know, for uh, for th this part of his uh, career. So um, oh, I'll make sure I got that correct. Yeah, he hit the the righties last year a bit better than he hit lefties. We think he's going to end up hitting lefties better. That's what conventional wisdom says. But we'll see if that plays out. So maybe you have it uh, where he is hitting the lefties and Yadiel hits the righties. I think Yadiel Hernandez, that kind of brings him into the fold. 
into this conversation. Right now, I wrote down the Nationals, who we think they're going to have in that outfield next year, just as guys they're bringing back. Soto, Robles, Thomas, Stevenson, Yadiel. Those five guys have got the opportunity out there. And Yadiel last year at 273 with a 329 on base, 413 slugging, 742 OPS, and an OPS plus of one. Zero three. So, uh, you know, he was a bit more league average in that OPS department, but for him last season, uh, you know, I think this is a guy that they've got, a they've got some excitement about, and he actually hit lefties and righties both pretty well. So maybe I'm, maybe I'm incorrect on this. Maybe you do actually just flip this, uh, down the line and maybe, maybe one of them, maybe you have, a. Uh, um, you have uh, Riley Adams hit the righties, and you get Yadiel to hit those <laughs> to hit the lefties because their their splits are kind of jacked up and reversed at this time. Yadiel hit 300 against the lefties last year, didn't hit doing as many opportunities because they had him much more often hitting the righties, which he hit 261. So I think you probably see him hitting the righties, and we'll see Riley Adams maybe hitting the lefties. Um, but I also think you could see a steady dose of Riley Adams on a day to day basis as that DH. I think it's about getting opportunities for these guys and making sure, you know, Yadiel less so. Riley Adams is somebody that you got in a trade and a trade that really didn't work out for the other side. You know, I said this last year, the Nationals could have had Brad Hand back on the team by the end of the year last year because he was so bad. So we'll see what Riley Adams nets. I mean, it's a guy with team control left, and I, I think he is the number one guy I think about when I think about Ryan Zerman and the void that's left because he is a guy at 26 that can be a productive player that's not going to cost too much if he can continue the the way he hit last season and provide something for you off the bench as a second first baseman, as a backup catcher. I mean, there's a variety of ways you can play him now. You know, you don't want to wear him out, you know, have him doing something different all the time, but that that's kind of how this works. You got to find your way on the diamond wherever you can, and if his bat comes alive, they're going to find ways to get him in there as much as possible. Uh, and, um, you know, when he's catching, I bet they'll put Yadiel in that DH spot, depending on the matchup. So that's a nice little wrinkle for them, or they might put K bear Ruiz there. I don't think they want to tire him out. So they'll probably just give him the day off there. Um, most of the time. So we'll, we'll see how these things play out, but I, I think we can consider Ryan Zerman's retirement and start to think about moving forward. The idea of Riley Adams coming in and, and playing that part, playing that position of, you know, getting reps at first base, obviously learning behind Josh Bell, being that second catcher to, to help out with, um, with, you know, K Barrett Ruiz on his off days is there. I do think the idea of Trace Barrera in the background is something we have to factor in. Maybe if he's a much better defensive catcher than Riley Adams is, you know, you're a little concerned with having Riley Adams out there all the time. Also, you want to make sure he can learn the staff somewhat. Uh, and he's, you know, he's not too consumed with learning first and DHing and trying to learn the staff. You want to make sure you don't overwhelm the kid. You know, you want to see what his performance can be. But there are a variety of exciting opportunities for Riley Adams. And I think a lot of them are now coming due to the retirement of Ryan Zimmerman. All right, one more quick word from our sponsors, and we'll get out of here. Today's show is brought to you by BetOnline.net. You guys can go to BetOnline today. Uh, football, basketball, baseball, soccer, hockey, futures, all those things they've got. Vegas casino games as well. BetOnline remains the best spot for all of your sports scores, podcasts, news, lines, odds this season. It's not just basketball guys right now. You know, once again, hockey, boxing, UFC, Olympic coverage as well. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and the action. Bet online. It's where the game starts. 
All right, that will do it for the show. Make sure you guys follow me on Twitter at Josh Neighbors underscore. You guys can follow the show on Twitter at LO underscore Nationals. You guys can find us on YouTube or wherever you all get your podcasts.